1 Peter chapter 5 again. 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to look at two verses this morning, if the Lord permit. Um, verse 8 and verse 9. And tonight we'll pick up in verse 10 and finish out uh, 1 Peter. Verse 8 and verse 9. Listen, my prayer is uh, through this passage the Lord would help uh, some folks. How many of y'all just get sick and tired of spiritual warfare? Okay. What I'm going to do is this morning, I'm going to deal with the reality of spiritual warfare. It's real. You know, I don't know where these people come that think that, you know, when you get saved, everything's going to be peaches and cream and, and a bed of roses. I got news for you. In this world, you will have tribulation. Spiritual warfare is real. So this morning, we're going to deal with the reality of spiritual warfare. Tonight, I'm going to deal with the hope in spiritual warfare. So let's look at this together. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Let's pray. Father, uh, would you so use this in our lives this morning, glorify yourself in it, and magnify yourself through it. And Father, I thank you today that the victory is ours in Christ, in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, amen. You may be seated. Well, there are a lot of misconceptions about the our enemy being Satan or the devil. And you say, what do you mean there's a lot of misconceptions? Well, one misconception is that he's roaming about on his own doing whatever he wants to do with no restraints. I got news for you. God can jerk his chain like a puppet anytime he wants to. God's sovereignly in control. The second thing that people misconstrue about the enemy is that they think fighting the enemy is something that that falls upon them in their flesh well i got news for you you try to do that that's an exercise of futility and so we need to understand a little bit about our enemy but also we need to understand the victory that we have in christ jesus okay You've heard me say this a million times if you've heard me say it once. If you're saved today, you do not work towards victory. You already have it in Christ Jesus. So you work from what you already have. You work from the victory you have. And so a lot of people pray all the time, Lord, I need victory in my life in this area or that area. Well, listen, if you're praying that, stop. You say, why? Because why are you praying for God to give you something he's already given you? If he gave you Christ, you have the victory of Christ. Now, you say, well, preacher, it's not reality in my life. I'm not walking at it. Well, if you're not walking in it, it's not because God hadn't gave it to you. You're not walking in it because you're not trusting him and what he gave you. And so, so the, 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 the reality is this. That whenever we have spiritual warfare, we've first got to understand who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us. 
And if you don't understand that, I'm going to be honest with you, you have no shot of walking in victory in spiritual warfare. And so you've got to understand that. But now, let, let's deal with this text. Of course, you remember, as we walk through First Peter, you, you remember that these believers were being greatly persecuted. We saw last week, uh, as we finished up verse 7 last week, casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. And then we come to verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion. Now, I'm going to do something that I rarely ever do. And you say, what do you mean? I'm going to deal with the second part of this verse before I deal with the first part. You say, why? Because you're not going to understand what be sober and be vigilant means if you don't understand why you need to be sober and vigilant. So I want us to look first at the enemy that is described. The enemy that is described. Now, why does he describe him in this way? Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. Because here's the reality, okay? You and I, how many agree when God saved us, he gave us the Spirit of God, and with the Spirit of God, we have the ability to discern what is of him and what is not of him. Now, I want you to listen to me, okay? I'm going to make a couple strong statements today, and, and you got to love me anyway. Y'all say amen. Whatever is not of God is of the enemy. Plain and simple. Okay? So, so why is he gives us this description of Satan? Because he gives us this description that we can discern his activity and who he is and the way he works. And if you discern how he works, then guess what? You can discern this is not of God and this is not what I'm to give myself to. And so I want you to look at a few things that you must discern given this description in which Peter gives here. The first thing is you've got to discern him as your adversary. Now, you say, well, preacher, there ain't nobody in this building don't know Satan's our, our adversary. I promise you everybody in this building, even lost or saved, would agree that Satan's our adversary. But that's not exactly what I'm talking about. Because it's not just him as your adversary, but at the same time, you have to understand that anything that's not of God is of him, and therefore, you must discern what is adversarial against me. In other words, it's not just him, but it's what he does. And so, the greatest problem I see today in American Christianity, and I'm just going to be honest with you, is there is no discernment today. I mean, people just don't have discernment today. I mean, you tell me how, how thousands upon thousands of people can fill up a coliseum to go hear someone that I won't give his name, but I'll give his initials, Benny Hinn. I, I mean, you tell me how thousands of people can be that deceived. And I'll tell you how that happens, because guess what? Satan's the father of lies. And so in other words, he is deceptive. If you remember in the garden at the very beginning, what was it that caused all that we have now had to deal with through sin? Well, can I tell you, it started with the serpent deceiving Eve. And, and when Eve was deceived, Adam disobeyed. Now, I want you to hear me today. Ladies, I'm going to let you off the hook. We didn't get into sin because of Eve. We got into sin because of Adam. But yet the serpent deceived Eve. Did God really say? And so you have to be able to discern what is adversarial. 
What is your adversary? And you say, well, I know it's Satan. Well, but do you know how he works? Do you know that it's him even though it may be a preacher? Do you know it's him even though it may be religion? Do you know it's him even though they may use the name Christ? In other words, the Bible says Satan disguises himself even as an angel of light. Can I tell you, the greatest way to deceive people is in the church, not outside the church. And so you and I must have a discerning spirit concerning who is our adversary. And we must have a discerning spirit concerning not only who is our adversary, but we must have a discerning spirit is if this that I am exposing myself to, is this of him or of me? Can I tell you something today? If he can get you thinking crooked, he can get you. And you and I need to understand, he will lie to you all the time. And he'll even dress it in religious garb to do it. And so you must discern he is our adversary. Look with me real quick at 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4 verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit. Try the spirits whether they be of God because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Now skip down to verse 4 real quick for time's sake. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. How many of you would like to just stop right there and say praise the Lord? I mean, good gracious alive. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us, and he that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby we the spirit we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of what? In other words, listen, if you're saved today, you have the ability through the Holy Spirit to try every spirit to see if they be of God because you try every spirit by the truth of the Word of God, and if you have the Spirit of God that teaches the Word of God, you have discernment to know, hey, this ain't of God. You say, preacher, you shouldn't use the word ain't. I'm from the mountains of Tennessee, forgive me. I mean, listen, you, you and I need to understand, there has to be discernment that comes through the Spirit of God. And so you must understand your adversary. Now, let me give you a second thing. Not only must you discern him as adversary, you must discern his attitude. Now, when he uses this term, the devil, okay, you have to understand a little bit about who this devil is. Well, here's what we know. He was the praise angel in heaven at one time. Here's what we also know. We also know that he fell with many other angels. So what do you mean I must discern the attitude? Well, I want you to look at a passage. It's not in your notes. Uh, April, it's not on your notes either. But it's found in Isaiah chapter 14. I've referenced this to you many times, but I want you to see it. Isaiah 14 and verse number 13. And look what it says. And I want, I'm going to emphasize some words here, and I want you to see it because it's important for you to discern his attitude. All right? First thing is this. For thou hast said in thine heart, speaking of Lucifer from verse 12, thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. 
I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high God. So you say, what is the attitude of Satan? I. So what do you mean? Listen. Anything that draws you to yourself is of the devil. I've told you all this before. I went in a bookstore one time. They had a section saying self-help. And I'm sitting there staring at it real funny. And the clerk walks up to me and said, you look like you're trying to find something. I said, no, I'm trying to figure out something. She said, what are you trying to figure out? I said, what can self-help me do anything? The Bible says die to self. Don't get help for self. Die to self. But yet the enemy wants you to what? Be alive to yourself. And so his attitude is I. Well, guess what? His deception and his warfare upon your life is making you love you and love what you want to do. And if you don't discern the attitude of Satan, you're never going to discern if it's of Satan. In other words, temptation in your life. If it causes me to focus on me, it's not a God. It's of him. So you got to understand he is your adversary. You got to understand his attitude. But thirdly, you got to discern this about him. You've got to discern his activity. Watch what it says here in this verse. As a roaring lion walking about, seeking. So what is the activity of our enemy? All right, are y'all ready? Say amen. He's relentless. He never stops. He's continuous. He's always walking, always seeking, always deceiving, and always lying. He never, ever stops. And you say, well, preacher, this is depressing. Oh, no, if you understand your victory in Christ, it's exciting. And so you and I need to understand, his activity is that, that he's relentless. How many of you agree today that all through the Chronicles of Scripture, Satan tried to stamp out the seed of the woman? How did he do? He failed. You say, how do you know he failed? Jesus was born of a virgin. Jesus was protected even from the decree of the king. And listen, Jesus not only was born, lived out a sinless life, died a death that you and I needed to die, Buried in a borrowed tomb, rose on the third day. Hey, listen, and guess what? He is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. But Satan would not stop. And he knows he's lost that battle. But don't you think he's going to stop working on you? You see, his activity. Now, why is it important to discern his activity? Because when you start getting complacent 
you become easy prey. Lastly, his appetite. You must discern his appetite. Seeking whom he may devour. So who does the enemy devour? Let me give you two things, okay? The first thing is the wheat. You know, if you ever do a study on real lions, one of the things you'll find, if he sees a deer or an antelope that is hobbling, can't run good, that becomes the focus of his intent. So what do you mean those that are weak? I'm talking about those that are spiritually weak. Those that do not have a firm foundation. Those that have gone through the motions of their Christianity instead of truly growing in grace and in faith. Now, I want you to listen to what I'm about to say, please. People ask me all the time, why are you so passionate that unless providentially hindered, people ought to be under the preaching of the word every time it's available? Because here's why. Because when you remove yourself from the Word, whether it's in your daily quiet time or the preaching of the Word or the teaching of the Word, you become spiritually weak. Because the Word is your help. You see, how we get spiritually weak is we start by removing ourselves from the Word. And then all of a sudden we start focusing not on Him, but on other things. And we become easy prey. But not only the weak, but the wayward. You say, what do you mean the wayward? How many of you agree today that a shepherd, a true shepherd, loves his sheep? How many of you agree a shepherd wants to protect his sheep? But how many of you agree every now and then a shepherd has a stubborn sheep? You say, what do you mean a stubborn sheep? A sheep that wants to venture off from the care of the shepherd. A sheep that wants to stray from the flock. A sheep that wants to go its own little pathway. And when that sheep separates himself from that flock, or that sheep separates himself from that shepherd, that sheep is in great danger to be prey to the enemy that is out there. You can get wayward. Let me tell you how quick. Just like that. Let me tell you how, ways you can get wayward. 
You can get wayward in a second of acting on something you know you shouldn't have acted upon. You can get wayward in excusing away something that is in your life that you know shouldn't be in your life. And you've believed the enemy of the devil that says, well, I know I shouldn't have this in my life. I know I shouldn't have this habit in my life. But God understands. I got news for you. God don't understand that. Are y'all hearing me say amen? amen? And all of a sudden, you can become wayward. And when you do, you put yourself in a situation where you become vulnerable to the one that is always walking, always seeking. whom he may devour. You know, one of the things I found, I found this out, that when a lion is the hungriest, it just devours. But when a lion becomes full, it wants to play before it eats. But when Satan finds a weak, or wayward. I want you to listen. His mouth starts salivating. I want you to, real quick, I want you to think of your absolute favorite food. Y'all got it in your mind? Say amen. Now I want you to think about the place where you had your favorite food and it was off the chain above any other place you've ever had your favorite when you sat down and they put that filet mignon in front of you, you tell me that your mouth didn't start watering. You couldn't wait to tear into that thing. That's our enemy. So this is the enemy that's described here. I want you to look secondly now at the exhortation that is demanded. In light of who he is, here's the exhortation that's demanded. You say, why do you use the word demanded? Because be sober and be vigilant is imperative command. He says, now I command you, be sober. I command you, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walking about seeking whom he may devour. So what does he mean here in be sober and be vigilant? I want to give you these with right quick, okay? The first thing, be sober, be alert what it means. The idea is don't be asleep. Don't get drowsy. That's what this word's talking about. Be alert. Don't get drowsy spiritually. Don't get dull spiritually. Don't get sleepy spiritually. You say, well, how do I not get dull? How do I stay alert? You stay in the Word. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be what? Sober. See, you can be wide awake physically and asleep spiritually. And when that happens, your spiritual antenna, your discernment, becomes dull and you stop discerning 
what is of God and what is not of God. And you start excusing away things in your life. Listen to me. There's some folks in here that I guarantee you, even though I don't know who you are and I don't know what you're involved in, but there are some folks in here, I guarantee you, that have had habits in your life for years and years and years and you've tried to fight them on your own, but you've never fought them in the grace and the victory of the Lord Jesus and therefore you hang on to them and you've got to the place that you excuse it away thinking it's okay, I've done it for this many years and God hadn't done anything yet. Well, I got news for you. You hang on. If God ain't dealt with you, you wasn't saved. Are y'all hearing me saying that? You see, this is what we're talking about. Be alert. It's an exhortation of self-control. The word sober here simply means this. It describes a person who can control by the Spirit of God, by the grace of God, his own disposition, in such a way that he's always alert, he's always awake, and he's always, always sensitive. To what's going on around So he says be alert. Then notice the second thing he says. Be vigilant. What does this mean? Be aware. You say well isn't this the same thing? No. The first one has to do with your self-control. Spiritual self-control. Godly self-control. The second one has to do with this. That you're aware. To the point you're able to. To respond appropriately in every situation. How many of you agree? We're all going to be tempted. How many agree we're all going to be attacked? How many agree we're all going to have trials? See, that's not debatable. All those things are true. See, that's not the problem. How do you respond to those things? Your immediate response tells you who, where you are right now. Are you sober? Are you awake? Or are you asleep? Are you aware? In other words, are you one that can honestly trust and honestly believe that when Jesus said in the model prayer to pray, deliver us from the evil one, that Jesus Christ has already done it. By the way, if I'm aware, I need to be aware of a couple of things. Number one, I need to be aware from the standpoint that I don't fall into his traps. But listen to me. I'm never going to be aware that I don't fall into his traps if I'm not aware of what Jesus did for me. How many agree Romans 12, 11 says we overcame him? Who's him? The one that accuses us day and night. Read the two verses before. The one that accuses us day and night. How many say agree? It says we overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony. 
Listen, the word of our testimony doesn't mean what you say with your mouth. It doesn't mean standing up and saying this or saying that. The word of your testimony is translated the word of the Logos. In other words, the incarnate word, the Lord that was made flesh, the Lord Jesus lived out through you. In other words, the word of your testimony is the word being manifested through your life. We've overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of the Lord Jesus, the testimony of the Lord Jesus lived out in our life. And we love not our lives. That takes the eye out of it even unto death. See, if you love yourself, you're going to give yourself to the eye. Y'all got me? Say amen. I mean, listen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 11. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Not your own. You can't. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, I hear people all the time, well, let me tell you right now, you ever get up every morning, put on the whole armor of God. I got news for you. You don't have to get up every morning and put on the whole armor of God. You say, why is that? Because, number one, it's aorist tense. It means you did it one time, never have to do it again. You say, well, what is the armor of God? It is the person of the Lord Jesus. He is our faith. He is the breastplate of righteousness. He is the helmet of salvation. And so guess what? When God saved you, you got all you needed. Now, just walk in it by faith. Listen, we are victorious in Christ Jesus. Well, you're to be alert. You're to be aware. But you're to be assured. Look at verse 9. Whom resists steadfast in the what? Faith. The word resist is a military term. It literally means to stand in battle array against. Now you say, well, preacher, he's more powerful than I am. He is. So I got news for you. If you stand in battle array against him in your own flesh, guess what? You're going to lose. Y'all remember in the book of Acts? Those that tried to deal with that demonic spirit. The demonic spirit ended up invading them. Jesus we know. Paul we know. Who do you think you are? Are y'all hearing me say amen? So what, how do I resist him? Notice what it says. In the what? Hey. Is this talking about my personal faith? Or is this talking about the faith? What I believe, the doctrine, the truth of the word. You say, preacher, which is it? Is it the faith that Jesus exercises through me, my personal faith? Or is it the faith in what I believe, the truth of the word? Here's what I'm going to answer to you. Yes! Because your personal faith. Listen, the faith that the Lord lives out through you, what? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the what? In other words, without the word, you don't have anything to faith. So how do I resist? How do I stand and battle against? Can I tell you something? It's not what you do. It's not 10 steps. Well, I heard, read a book one time years ago. 10 steps to beat the devil. I got news for you. There ain't one step to beat the devil. He's already defeated. So in the truth of the word, 
the Spirit of God begins to work that through me by faith. And as he does, I draw nine to him and he draws nine to me. And when I draw nine to him and he draws nine to me, Satan flees. Why? Because he knows he cannot stand against the one that I'm identified with. How many of you would like to agree with me right now that Peter spoke this from experience? Y'all remember what happened to God? Simon, Simon. Y'all remember this? Satan desires to what? Sift you at wheat? I prayed for you, Simon. Say, Jesus, what'd you pray for? That his faith fail not. Jesus didn't pray. Simon, you'd be so strong in yourself. You'd go up against that enemy. You'd defeat him. Oh, Jesus knew Peter couldn't do that. Matter of fact, Jesus knew. What did Jesus say? Before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me how many times? Simon, you agree, Jesus knew that Peter wasn't even going to be able to stand up against him. You say, why couldn't Peter stand up against him? Even in faith. He didn't have the indwelling spirit of God yet. It's the reason Jesus said, when you are converted. So Peter's writing to these believers and he said, listen, resist. Get in battle ray against. Oh, but remember, the only way you can do that is in faith. Of the one. That won the battle. Back to the armor of God. Above all, take up the shield of faith. Wherewith you shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. Well, let me show you lastly. The encouragement that was displayed. So we see here the enemy that was described, the exhortation that was demanded, but notice the encouragement that was displayed. Notice what he says. He encourages the people here in the midst of this spiritual warfare, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. What is he saying there? Remember, he's talking about persecuted people. So here's what he's saying. There's others that are your brothers and sisters in Christ that are going through the same thing you're going through. Now, why did he give this? Why is this important? I want to give you three things because this is so important. All right, y'all got your ears open? Say amen. Why is it so important to understand that when we go through difficult times, that we're not the only ones going through it. I'm going to give you three things. Okay? Number one, for the diffusing of life. So what was he saying here? The same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. How many of you agree when you're going through trials, one of the things that begins to happen, if you're not careful, 
is you start giving yourself to a bunch of lies. God's forsaken me. Lie! I've done something wrong. Not necessarily true. How many agree we can have trials and tribulations that are due to our sin? But how many of you agree not all trials and tribulations is because of your sin? But if I know, hey, there's others that have went through and came through. That's what it means by accomplished. Have came through. Then I can say, wait a minute. I don't have to listen to the lies of the enemy. I could say, but Jesus, you're enough. So not only does it diffuse the lies, but here's the second thing it does. It dismantles the loneliness. You ever went through hard times, and here's, here's what went through your mind? Nobody else understands what I'm going through but me. I'm all by myself. No, there's a bunch of people going through what you went through and already came through it. And let me say one other thing. There's a bunch of people went through a lot worse than what you're going through and already came through it. Why does the enemy want us to feel lonely? Because we get weak and we become easy prey. Can I tell you today? Can I tell you something with all the love I have in me? Y'all say amen. If I'm on an abandoned island by myself and there's not one other human being on that island and I have Jesus Christ, I'm never alone. Thirdly, lastly, The determination of long-suffering. Peter says, listen. I know what you're going through. You're going through tough times. You're being persecuted. I know it's difficult. But remind yourself of those who have already been through it. In some cases worse than you. And they come out on the other side. And therefore, the victory of Christ has been realized in their life. Therefore, you can stay long-suffering. Let me put it to you another way. You don't have to throw in the towel. You don't have to quit. You can keep pressing on towards the mark. Of the high calling of God. You see folks. Is there an enemy out there? There is. Are there demonic forces out there? There are. We don't fight against flesh and blood. But against principalities and what? 
So in other words, your battle is not with yourself and your battle is not with man. It is with principalities and powers. When self becomes a battle, it's when you gave yourself to the lies of the enemy. But here's the reality. God will walk you through just like he walked these others through. But he can only do it this way. If you resist in the faith. Don't lose sight of who God is. Don't lose sight of who you are in Christ if you're saved in here today. Because that is the foundation and the basis of the faith that you live. And that's where your victory is found. Father, I love you, I praise you, and I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. I thank you today that, Father, as you manifested yourself in the person of the Lord Jesus, that the word says you made an open display of our enemy defeating him at the cross. Father, our enemy, your word says, is a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But Father, here's the truth of the matter. He's a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But the cross has pulled his teeth out. The reason he has to give himself to lies and deception reason he has to disguise himself as an angel of light in religious garb. I'm glad today that our enemy is a defeated foe. But Father, I wonder in here this morning how many of us are truly convinced of that? Father, your word says in Matthew that for every true born-again believer you plant, the enemy plants a counterfeit. A tear among the wheat. And Father, there may be individual or individuals in this place right here, right now, that if they're just honest before you, they bought into the lie that their religious performance, their goodness has made them right with you. When the truth of the matter is, Father, that only what you do in them could ever make them right with you. Nothing they can do. 
Father, there may be individuals in this place that are truly born again, truly saved. But Father, they just have to be honest that they have bought into the lie. And those lies have become excuses for allowing things in their life that they know does not please you. Father, maybe there are things that have been part of their life for years and years and years. And right here, right now, they've discerned this is of the adversary. And in faith and trust in you and by your grace, they're willing right here, right now, to lay that aside and never go back to it called repentance. Father, maybe there's some folks in here that are struggling with discerning. Maybe this morning they need to come and get on an old-fashioned altar and say, Lord, why am I having trouble discerning? Show me what I need to see. Father, whatever you want to do, to you be the glory for it.